if you watch any ticker, CNN, Fox, uh, those are U.S. news sources. But uh, if you look, they always mention Dow, S&P 500. And that is the index of the whole market. Just invest in the whole market. And what I'm going to say is, if you just keep doing that, look at what Jeremy's done. Look at what's done to me. Yeah. My portfolio alone has grown over $200,000 in this year because of the fact that I just invested in the index funds. And that, to me, is quite crazy and mind-blowing. You know, Amazing. Like some- everybody and thank you for tuning in to episode 14 of highly invested where we invest in ourselves talk about personal finance investing business and personal growth while asking entrepreneurs about the investments in time money and energy that they've made that have gotten them to where they are today i'm really excited to have a guest on from texas he is a consultant and he runs the instagram account j millennial now i must add that j millennial is anonymous so i don't actually know his identity but he's got an awesome instagram account that you can go follow at j millennial one thing that really caught my eye, and I'm very intrigued to ask him about it tonight, is that he plans to be a millionaire by 30. So we're going to find out all about that. Jay, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fine. How about you, sir? I'm doing well, thanks. And annyeong haseyo. Annyeong haseyo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get to use my Korean very often, so it's nice to be able to uh, practice that with you. Awesome. Well, glad to have you. And so we met through Instagram. Can you tell me a little bit more? What gave you the idea to start this account? Oh. So I was actually blogging a lot of my personal account, just saying, hey, look at this, look at that, and everything was finance-related. I used to talk about this guy, Financial Samurai, and everything, and it seemed like no one was interested until one day one of my followers told me, hey, you should actually just spin this off and make it an Instagram account. So right. lo and behold, I did. Started off with 100, and now at 3,000. Thanks to everybody. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that the progress we can make on there. And for listeners, you might not be able to see his profile, but if you do not follow James Lennon, you should go follow him, even if you're not interested in finance he's the most interesting guy on instagram one of them at least i have to give you credit there jay like he flips tvs all the time seems like he makes a profit every day don't know how he has the time he he's a big car buff but he has really ambitious goals with money so if you need someone to kind of motivate you that you can follow on your feed this is the guy to go to so jay how many side hustles do you have besides your main job Oh my gosh, you know, you had me thinking there because I was going to pull up that screenshot of where I pulled up the different side hustles, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, Instagram, that's not really inside. On Instagram, I have it, and I swear I do. Well, I have it right here, so let, I can go through it. So you've got, obviously, your besides your main job, TV reselling, um, YouTube, dividends from your investments, and then from real estate. Oh, yes, that's all correct. <laughs> and there's another one called royalty because Amazon is not there since that's still a growing income stream. So tack that onto there and I'd say I have six. That's awesome. And from, from the post here, you can see the total income from TV reselling you've made. And is this just this year or what you've made since you've started? This is not even everything. I think the post that you're looking at is how long it took to, to reach $10,000 with oh, different income. Oh, yeah, sorry. That, that so, is exactly the post I'm referring to. <laughs> right, right. So what it is is that you see there's a start and end date on that where all I'm saying is if you invest your time into each of these different uh, income streams, it takes this long to make that much money. Yeah. Like in YouTube, you see that takes long because you have to build a following, you have to get people to root for you, and you have to really stand out from the millions where uh, otherwise right. if you're looking at TV reselling, you're just taking a very hot product from Marketplace where you just buy something that's really low because you set alerts and then you just flip it right on the same market. Right, you just got to take a bit of initiative and that, that's really all that yep. goes into it. Exactly. 
Right. So for some context here, then it took for TV reselling, you made ten thousand dollars in three hundred ninety days. So that's a good year and a bit of, of efforts. Yep. So worth it. YouTube. Yeah, I'll, I'll skip YouTube and save that for the end. The dividends was six hundred and seventy-seven days. Pretty great because you, Compound's gonna even gonna do all the work for you still. So you know, just contributing. And then real estate, three hundred six. One year, three hundred sixty-six days. But YouTube was the the longest for two thousand one hundred ninety-one days. So when you talk about starting something, but slowly taking small steps and sticking to it that is the prime example absolutely amazing so can you tell me like uh maybe a little bit about what you've learned doing each one of these side hustles i've learned that the tv reselling is a really interesting market because i've met so many different types and kinds of people right. like you go to people's houses and then you're just trying to look at it and of course you're trying to be safe right because you know you never know if it's someone that's shady or not shady true and you yeah. have to really play it right because you have to weed out the fraudsters and not so you start putting your cards up and saying well i think this is fraudulent i'm not going to go for the transaction mm-hmm. or you say hey you know i cannot meet this person or hey i can meet this person and it also makes me think about time right because time yeah. is of the essence and then flexibility so sometimes you know i'm sitting at home just playing video games and just working on youtube and then suddenly people are like hey i want to meet so just go down the street sell the tv come back yeah. So it's a very different kind of life versus YouTube, right? You've got to think about so many different things. Right. Even for you, you're highly invested. You have to think about this is what you got to do. This is how long it's going to take to do it. And then how am I going to monetize it, right? Different ways. Yeah, it teaches you a lot a lot of lessons. But like for the TV reselling, yeah, it's working on your people skills. Whereas YouTube, it's like, Absolutely. okay, creativity. And especially Spanish. Like a lot of people that bought from <laughs> me speak Spanish. And if you don't have that skill, half of those TVs wouldn't be sold. And I can assure you that. Oh, that's so true. And so, so are you fluent, a fluent Spanish speaker as well? I would say just a touch of Spanish. I don't want to get into a conversation about that. But Fair. I can okay. speak enough to make the sale. Okay, well, that's helpful then. Because I, I speak French as my second language. It's not very strong. And I spent quite a bit of time away from Canada where I forgot most of it. But I have been working to, to practice more of it. So very valuable to have that asset. Absolutely. Yeah. So who taught you how to hustle? <laughs> Oh my gosh. So I I think it's not necessarily who taught me how to hustle, but how I learned that I should be hustling. Yeah. And it's it's really having a background where I didn't have much growing up. Like I grew up, you know, fifth, sixth grade and started realizing, hey, all these people have iPods, they have Game Boys, they have all these things. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to admit that I wasn't a very good student in the past. And, you know, I guess partially because of social situations and circumstances that I did not have a lot of things. So I didn't do those things I did other things that were not as great so ultimately mm-hmm. as I progressed you know I, I got out of that bad boy type of deal and then I went into learned about stocks learned about real estate and this is just like trial and error over time yeah and yeah. all because I didn't have these things growing up I just I told myself I need to get these things growing up so I made those the target of what I wanted to get and of course that mindset has shifted over time yeah it's a very valuable one especially to get at a young age because if if you can realize that you you get value out of different things if something's not for you it's a distraction yeah and I like to tell a story that's different from what I show on my page is that I was on this game called Second Life back in 2009 and mine that's 10 years ago so I was like 14 or 15 yeah I know Second Life I really wanted an iPhone so I realized in the game people are making money so how do I do that right you have to know how to Photoshop you have to make textures 
them on the side of objects and then you make a car and then resell that for you know, 300 times and then you have enough to buy an iPhone. So I realized, oh my gosh, $200. And this is for me being like in high school right. where people are going to their jobs and making like $8 an hour and I make 200 in a month just because of this thing. So you find the opportunity and then you really capitalize on that that way. And because my motivation was an iPhone, I mean like an iPhone is cheap nowadays yeah. relative to before. But when you're looking up to it, that's a high goal for you to set and really work towards. Right. Having that goal is just, it's the best thing to, to even attempt to start. And so how are you, how are you making money, sorry, from, from Second Life? You were monetizing? Yes, yes. So I'll explain it in like less than a minute. Okay. Try your best. Yeah, I'm interested. Yes, yes. You have these boxes that you rearrange texture and everything. It has like 32 different shapes and you can collect them all 32 objects at one time and you can make it into a car, a house furniture anything people go to second life because they're trying to evade you know their first life right because maybe it's not so cool and everything and for me as a kid it's everything because you, you can build ferrari you can build mansion okay. everything you can do there so i learned in photoshop you can actually text your vehicles make tint make modifications and just slap them on the side of these objects that you craft and then you can build them into a vehicle and then there's a marketplace for these objects where people buy it with real money Okay. And for me, I didn't have a credit card at the time, but I'm like, people can pay me for something that I create out of Photoshop. So I would use these like free income generators. Like I would camp at a place that makes you like a 10 lindens an hour or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's enough to upload one texture. I only need three textures to make a car. And then I resell it for 200 lindens and then redo that for like, you know, many thousands of sales. Right, right. So, <laughs> and with practice, you just get better and better. And there's your first service. Exactly. Or- like you're the creator and now you're providing value amazing yep if you provide value people are definitely going to watch it right like this podcast youtube channel as long as you can show your value people will flock to it and they'll be willing to return and that's how you make money yeah that's an important message i'm learning that and the main thing is i'm not going to stop it's been a lot of fun too so when did you really start planning your life out as well because again i can reference your instagram account forever pretty much but so you started setting your goals or at least writing down your goals at age or sorry in the year 2010 i would say 2010 i had the goal 2012 is when i actually started planning towards that goal okay so what i learned of course you know through my parents parents instilled me with hey get good grades and i thought it was funny because they were in, they did not get like good grades themselves well my mom was a valedictorian but my dad was like a c student okay. and they're telling me to get good grades so it's like <laughs> okay but i told myself and i flipped it because i didn't like school at the time i said you know what i'm gonna get these good grades because if if the job or interviewer sees me and these grades it's probably going to look good on my profile and it's going to look good getting into colleges, getting into companies and then all that stuff, right? Yeah. And most people won't say that. They're going to say, oh, you know, school sucks and everything. I say, you know what? No, 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 no. Think about it like this. Do well in a job that pays well or a, towards a career path that pays well and you're going to see it. Like people saw my GPA coming out of high school and college and they're like, this guy is probably good. Let's take him. Yeah. So that's, that's another detail. <laughs> yeah. And I apologize. I, I missed the. I know the question was around when I started planning, right? So... The plan was I needed to get this, and then the steps were I will do these things. So I guess I could say 2010 was that because in high school I told myself I need to be valedictorian so I could get this job, so I could get this better job, which will pay me so much, and then I can buy a Maserati. So <laughs> that's, that's how it worked, right? right? That was my mentality. That's true, and at least the mentality got you all the way through into where you are now. So that answers my question well. Thank you. It, it goes to show that for anybody that once is quick success there's no such thing you've got to at least build your own vision first convince yourself that you can do it and start taking those steps so good on you jay keep doing it all right 
main thing I like to ask all my podcast guests to think of three big investments that they've made in their life. It doesn't have to be with money. It could be with time or with energy, but three big decisions or choices that they've made that have ultimately helped get you to where you are today. So can you think of three things or any stories that you can possibly share with the listeners? Yes, absolutely. And one of them I feel like is having very strong family relationships because at the end of the day, you know, families are blood. So I feel mm-hmm. like if you don't get along with your brothers, your sisters, your parents, that is going to have some lingering thought in the back of your mind. And I did feel that at some point in my life. But over time, you know, build very strong relationships with the people around you, of course, starting with family. If you have very good family support, you tell them these crazy goals, they'll support you. They might laugh at you first, but they're going to 100% support you. And, you know, even my brothers talking to me, sometimes I say, you know what, let's think through this together and I'm going to come up with this and, you know, we'll help you plan because I'm well vested in making sure that they're successful and they're vested in making me successful because of that bond that we have together. Right. You you want success for everyone in your family, just like you'd hope, right? you would expect the same. Yeah. And with that, I tell them these goals over time and they're like, I support you, I support you, I support you. And they've supported me all the way to where I'm at now. So that's one big thing that I can take away. And, you know, to this day, I can just hit up my brothers and say, hey, you want to split a Ferrari? (laughs) They're going to laugh. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> but it, yeah, I hope the response would be, you know, kind of following in your footsteps. Okay, well, let's sit down and think about how we can actually pull this off. And right. we get that much right. closer to it. That's, right. a, that's a good point. Family relationships are, are very, very important. It's a two-way street with every family member as well, but certainly very good to have that support. Yes. First one, good then. Family ties, you definitely have to have those people to lean on. What would be another one? I guess the second one would be academics right investing yeah. in academics is huge and people will say like i mentioned college everything it's like you don't need something to make college well you know if you know deep down in your heart that you have a product or something that you can sell and you can invest yourself 110 percent in that please go ahead and do that yeah and become bill gates and become tesla other than that if you're only half invested please don't invest in that find something that you're invested in and for me that was the academics because i knew the path was the academics would turn into a job which would turn into uh all this career success right options and freedom right and not just investing it in academics but investing it in a place where you can look forward 10 years and see that it was going that is going to be a good decision like job prospects going up 20 percent year over year you have to look for things like that as well yeah before you say i'm 100 percent committed in that career that's so true for some people yeah and what i'll say is that some people were super invested and I ask him, you know, are you very invested in this path? Some people would tell me, you know what? I don't know. And people come up to me and literally tell me this on Instagram. And I say, you know what? Let's let's find you something. And let's see if any of these things in IT will assist. Because I'm an IT guy, right? I'm going to try to get you into IT before anything else. Yeah. The bases, web, etc. Some people are like, you know what? This web design, you know, web development looks awesome. And I say, well, the job prospects are awesome. Go that way. And then that person became a very good web developer. <laughs> You see, like, some other people, you're trying to get them in that direction. It's like, well, now, if people don't have the resources, that's where I pe- hope people reach out to me as well. You know, definitely yeah. I answer all the DMs. Anything about career, academia, I, I answer everything to the best of my knowledge. Of course, it's not, like, everybody's knowledge, but I'll try. Well, that yeah, that's super helpful of you, and not everybody's going to be that responsive. So it's it's great that you, you just take that on to help people out. Yep. 
That's great. And, and so what did you study? What, what's your background from, from your schooling? I studied information systems, and it is not a top school by any means. Like in California, you have like your Stanford, your UC. I went to like a CSU, Cal State University. It's like one above community college. Okay. But I went to the best CSU that I could find within reason because I live in the LA area. So I just picked one that was close by just to save money, right? Because I looked at the cost Practical. of Practical. I'm like, yeah, yeah, my that gosh. Too. Yeah, <laughs> expensive, right? Housing, everything. Oh, it's in, it's crazy, man. I couldn't imagine being a Canadian looking in like, oh, the university is crazy in the States. Oh, my gosh. But that, that's a good approach that, that you, you took because I, I forget which book I read. It might have been a Malcolm Gladwell one, but better to be a, a big fish in a small pond than a... And, you know, what's interesting is... A small fish exactly in a big what pond. what I said in one of my YouTube videos. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and some people took that advice and, you know, that school that I went to never shared that video. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> to all the forty thousand people that watched that video, they all liked it, and and they thought my advice was realistic. Yeah, I would agree. If I go to Stanford and fail and fail really hard, no one's ever gonna look for me. But if I can do very well in a school that's not as known and come out, you know, four point valedictorian or summa cum laude, cum laude, any types of honors. Yeah. You're already on a better playing field than anybody else. Yeah, fact. That that's huge. Like, did did you read that book before you made that decision, or was that just something you came to a conclusion on your own? I came to a conclusion on my own actually. I, I and I don't know why I thought of it because everyone kept telling me. Oh my gosh, you went to a bad school. And I'm like, I know exactly what I'm doing. And, you know, now that I'm here in my position, I look back at other people that went to other colleges. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, it's it's a big difference where you ended up because of how you handled it. Your GPA became as below or something like that. But I, I urge all the people listening to this to think about those kinds of circumstances and how that can change 10 years down the line when people are looking at it. Think about someone looking at you where you're at today. From that other perspective, if I'm looking at you 10 years down the line or looking at yourself, you're going to see and think, am I going to be proud of that guy in school, you know, struggling on his classes or that guy that excelled in this other school, right? Mm-hmm. So, no, it, shift the perspective. Yeah, no, that, that's so true, man. I, I hope as many Americans or U.S. citizens can listen to this as possible and get your advice because it's so true. It's not worth trying to struggle just to almost have that title of Stanford or a big Ivy League school, especially if you can shine somewhere else, people will notice you. And you prove the theory right, man. You're a smart guy. Amazing. <laughs> awesome. So family ties clo- or close family ties. We've got academia. What would be yep. uh, your third one? Oh, okay. The third one would be, man, I invested a lot of my time just trying to get a Maserati. <laughs> of course. That's amazing, Jay. How close are you to getting it now? How close am I? I could, if I empty out my E-Trade account, I could buy that car six times. That's a very good feeling to have. So, so <laughs> you're getting you know closer. I, yeah. What I told people is that now that I've hit that level where I know I can afford it, I don't feel like I'm going to get the value out of it that I thought I would when I was dreaming about it. That's so very humble that's, of you. That's a tough one, and it's a tough call to make, right? Because I could be sitting in my Maserati right now, stunting <laughs> on all the haters, you know? Yeah, flexing just flexing on, on them. <laughs> right, right? Yeah. I could be doing that, but I'm not. And I feel like part of the reason is I spent time finding value. What's going to give me the most value out of it, right? Yeah. And I feel like when I do these things that I do, TV reselling, other things, I think my time is valued at you know $60 an hour, $70 an hour. And I won't settle for anything less than that, right? Mm-hmm. If I buy Maserati and I'm spending more time fixing it than, than what I could have used that time for, making money or inspiring others, I feel like that's lost value, right? Yeah. So as much as I can get into that car, 
I, I don't see it's part of my personality as much because of how my personality has shifted. So if I do get it someday, you know, maybe that's that's cool, but I'm perfectly happy where I'm at, I guess, you know. Good. That, that's wise of you. I mean, it's like, I guess, getting to the end of the rainbow and realizing that it, it was all about, you know, the, the growth that you went through getting there. Yeah, and I feel like invest time in, so aside from academia and all this, invest time in finding value in your time as well right yeah and i i hope that makes sense because this this is just stuff that i did not come prepared with (laughs) yeah no it does and it's different for everybody and that's why it's just i like encouraging conversation someone might listen to this and that might trigger something that they've had an idea to do and maybe they'll do it so that it totally helps right so think about it like this right and here's an example if you're a guy selling video games video games are very hot but what's the profit margin maybe five or ten dollars per game very low, yeah. If you can make it $30, then awesome. But how much was that worth your time to search for it, procure it, sell it, and then make sure that people are happy with it post-sell? If that is only $10 to you and you're selling video games and you can sell that a lot, then awesome. But for me, right, you get a higher ticket item where it's actually worth you know $100 of my you know, one hour. Right. So if you can think about it that way, it's going to change a lot of your decisions. And... I think that that's paramount in any part of your life, right? You think, how will this benefit me in the future? But of course, you have to have those base relationships. If I spend eight hours with my brothers, I'm not making any money, but there's a value out of coming out of that with, you know, being able to bond for that much time because you strengthen that bond and then you're able to come back and you could, it's a relationship where you can take something out of it and then you can give something back, Mm -hmm. but it gives back more. Because my brothers get way more than hundred dollars of value out of that, I get more than hundred dollars of value out of that. But don't think about it that way. It's like over time, the relationship is very strong to where you can't knock it over. No one else can come in and knock that relationship over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Definitely. It's putting your time into the right things. I think one of the mo- the most common themes from people that I've talked about is is really you know making the right investments for themselves. And, and that's what people just ultimately need to find. And the answer is within them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right. Just... Yes, I urge people to look at, if they are someone that likes to do arts and crafts, if you want to be a professional video game player, if you want to be like a um, snowboarder or something like that, which I do love all those things. I feel like I'm, I'm a fat fire kind of guy, not like a lean fire. Okay, yeah. Real guy. So You'll get there I, eventually. I... <laughs> <laughs> right. But the point that I'm making is, you know, as long as you get the value out of it that you like, it doesn't matter what anybody else says to you. I get a lot of comments saying, you know, that car is crap, you know, this the decision that you're doing is bad. And I just tell them, this is the value that I have, you know, yeah. and you're going to value something else. So I, I'm respectful of everybody's values, as long as they're reasonable with them, right? Yeah. So that's all I have to say on that topic. No, that that's super important, man. It, it's it's very uh, just valuing what you're putting your time towards. Time is the one asset that we cannot get back, right? Right. So, it's it's a it's very humbling. You're a wise man, Jay. I like, I I definitely didn't have a lot of ambition until a couple of years ago when I I moved back home and I really didn't have any money, and that's when I started investing myself. But that was like when I did investment research. Sorry, let me let me backtrack a bit. But I had a, a financial advisor in Canada invest on my behalf in mutual funds, and after coming home from traveling, I found out that I owed fifteen hundred in tax, and you know it was my fault for not doing the research. But having just, you know, I had really never had any sort of adversity in my life, sadly. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, I felt so offended and I was so angry at the financial advisor that, you know, I thought he did it on purpose. He probably just didn't know the rules of the product and, and it just happened to happen. But, you know, I'm just so glad that, that happened to me because now I, it's a complete mindset shift and I only want to spend time doing things that, you know, are valuable to me. And, you know, another thing too is making sure people know that, you know, you're always there for them. If they ever need you, they can always reach out and you will make that time. But you know, you've got right. your goals, and it's right. good to stay. Everyone's got to stay focused on their goals as well, because that's what makes us all individuals. Absolutely, and that's why it's called personal finance, right? And yeah. The personal part is a big aspect of it. You know. Yeah. Honestly, sometimes I think, oh, you know, what what would my followers think if I finance this car? And I'm thinking, but I have an income stream paying for it. It's not going to hurt me or my bottom line, right? For right. someone else yeah. that's super involved in paying off their debts, go ahead and pay off your debts because that's what's important to you. And you know, finding the value is, is really where it's at. And I think you made a very good point there about failure and it being a big teacher. Yeah. Because I think part of what changed me is I was hanging out with the wrong crowd of people in my elementary school days, and I almost landed in jail because of those times. And really? you know, part of what this is, I reevaluated my life, and I'm like, if I become this person in 10 years, and I, now I ask everyone, please think about where you're going to be in 10 years if you keep doing this thing. And sometimes that changes people's minds, right? The whole point of this is when I failed to the point that I almost got put in the back of a police car, hauled off to juvenile hall and all that stuff, I realized, my gosh, I need to change. And in you know, sixth grade, then I went to seventh grade, and I was a totally different person. You matured and- so young. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, my gosh, why am I stealing stuff, you know? <laughs> Damn, I so, mean, in hindsight as a kid, oh, man, you could have gotten away with so much. Oh, I wish I knew that. I would have taken so many more risks. I know, right? And then I learned, it's like, oh, it's going to be on your record until you turn 18. After that, it's going to be sealed and no one's ever going to look at it. And I'm like, wow, I have a chance. So I guess <laughs> that was my life and that my biggest failure. And yeah, every that... time I fail, I think about that time that I failed so hard that my parents disowned me and I almost got thrown into jail right. because of some stuff I did as a kid. <laughs> and and those, yeah, like you said, those are the most powerful teachers. It's, it's being able to just take that lesson, realize it for what it is. It's a mistake. You know, you're not a loser. You just lost badly. But, right. <laughs> you know, right. everyone will. And it'll it'll hit harder than, and you, you want it bad enough, you'll make that change. So good you did that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. So would you mind sharing a little bit about your perspective on investing. So for someone that would be interested in starting as a beginner, how would you recommend they go about it? All right. This is something that you're going to see all across this buyer community, debt-free community. You know, everyone's going to preach that there are a couple of index funds, right? Yeah. If you are an absolute beginner investor, go follow this guy, Personal Finance Club. Follow him. Read all his posts from day one all the way to day now basically yes jeremy and, I, I know him i'm going to reach out to him soon to get him on the show as well yeah absolutely fantastic and you know there are some controversial posts that he makes but a lot of the content he makes are pretty good which mm-hmm. the basis of it is invest in index funds and don't look <laughs> yeah that's... that's all you have to do and in if you watch any ticker cnn fox uh, those are u.s news sources but uh, if you look they always mention dow s&p 500 and that is the index of the whole market. Just invest in the whole market. And what I'm going to say is, if you just keep doing that, look at what Jeremy's done. Look at what's done to me. Yeah. My portfolio alone has grown over $200,000 in this year because of the fact that I just invested in the index funds. And that, to me, is quite crazy and mind-blowing. You know, Amazing. Like 
Did you happen to get in it? Like, a, did you happen to buy more in January too, when the market had just gone through that shitstorm in December? Yes, I did. I bought a lot. And Genius. When I tell people what my growth is, I said half of that growth is actually from me throwing money in there aggressively, and the other half is literally just growth. Like the money was there before. So beginners, just invest in low-cost index funds like you know Vanguard. You can see that twenty million times. Total stock market ETF, just throw a bunch of money in that as soon as you have the money. And if you're not doing anything else with it, just throw it there. That's great advice, man. I wish people had just been slightly educated about money. When I, I, I went to a high school and one of the themes I bring up is that if we don't, like, there's that quote by Albert Einstein that if you teach a fish, uh, or if you, what is it, judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree and it'll believe its whole life thinking that it's stupid. Like, if yep. you don't teach people how to manage money, they literally believe as an adult that they can't manage money. I don't mean to generalize, but it, it just seems like whenever I try to just explain the concept of even an index fund, or I mention even this is mainly to Canadians, but like, hey, have you heard of the Dow Jones, the S&P? Like they've always heard those trigger words, but there's just no foundational like context that they can kind of relate to. So it's tough, right. but, but that's spot on. There's no better right. advice than that. And for young people that are listening to me on this podcast right if you just think with the premise that if i put this money that i could have bought this honda s2000 for ten thousand dollars and then just let that sit for like you know 10 years come back you can buy three s2000s or you could turn that into one maserati and still have ten thousand dollars left you know yeah if you think about it from that perspective then you're going to shift your mindset quickly yeah that's valuable and time spent in the market like you say that that 10 years main thing is is that if the money's put in there if there's those couple years of struggle, you have enough time for it to grow back. Absolutely. Do you mind sharing what are some stocks that you own that have, that have done well and that you've been invested in for a while? <laughs> sure. So I actually was a dividend investor until I met this whole community and I realized, why am I picking stocks? So I actually had a lot of you know ERC, EAD, uh, CRF. Those are dividend stocks that pay over 10%. So imagine you oh, have nice. $100,000 then you're, paying, you're getting paid $10,000 per year. But since then, I've slimmed that portfolio because sometimes people cut their holdings or something like that, and the stock makes a big drop, like 22%. Right. And you're like, my gosh, I've already lost the dividends that I was being paid. So that's disappointing. So I shifted a lot of that and just sold some of it over time. I'm just trying to make use of that $3,000 you know, tax write-off if you make some bad investments in the market. So I, I just said, okay, fine, you know, just lose. And then just shifted that money into index funds, like VTI. Smart, yeah. QQ, which is NASDAQ. The NASDAQ one, yeah. VOO or VOOG. One of them is growth. And I post my portfolio every month, uh, typically around the 15th, so I'm a bit overdue for posting the portfolio. But if people just look at that every month and then swipe right, you can see exactly what I'm holding and how much of it I'm holding. Right. So that gives you an idea of what I'm investing in. And for people looking at this in five years, they can say, oh, he invested in that. You know? Yeah, and <laughs> it's like, oh, kind of you just got to wait five years. Yeah, it's like, I should have invested in that five years ago. Um, <laughs> you're nicely diversified there too, with like a NASDAQ ETF and a total market and then a Vanguard one? Yes, that's right. Nice. That's right. So I hold 
VTI, VOO. I know VOO is definitely Vanguard. But, like, that's it. You've only got three. You've got three main ones that all you need to do is just add to that for the rest of your life, and you'll have that passive income flowing in from dividends. Yep. So the way my portfolio is held is about 50000 of it goes into dividend stocks, so it makes up about 5000 a year. Mm-hmm. And I know I slimmed that because I was trying to make 6000 but I realized, wait, if all my income is, if I have dividend income plus this income, I'm going to have a big tax problem at the end of the year, which I did last year. And I said, I'm going to do it a little bit different this year. <laughs> okay. Just make it all growth and then just, just shift later. Yeah. And would you mind for, for fellow uh, Americans explaining how they can, you know, if they do have some investments that go sour there, there is that tax tax benefit that they can, that they can yeah. use? Yeah. You can write off up to $3,000 of losses. So let's say you invested in Tesla at $300 and then you lose because the stock dropped to like 250 or something and you had X number of shares. Go figure. What you can do is you can sell it and then you can take that as a loss and then that will decrease your uh, tax liability because imagine if you're making 100000 a year, you deduct 3000 from, from that and now you calculate it on 97000 yeah. That's kind of how it works, but I'm not a tax pro, so don't quote me on that. Fair. So just work it up. And Good. the other thing is I invested heavily in dividends and I'm like, for what? Because in real estate, you can depreciate, you can do so many things with what you can deduct. And my income shows us, you know, a thousand or two thousand a year mm-hmm. that I actually get taxed on because, you know, you're making twelve thousand and you get taxed at only two. But in dividends, you get taxed, you know, at the 20 percent rate or something like that, depending on your bracket. And you have no deductions at all. So if you make ten thousand dollars of income, you're paying easily two thousand dollars back to the government and for what right like if you can have that grow instead and then you can just convert that later when you need the income yeah then do that that's something that i learned right and i'm still learning right my account is me trying to get to becoming a millionaire by 30 but along the way i'm gonna make mistakes i'm not the perfect role model and i know that and i want people to know that about me as well yeah they see the tip of the iceberg but you you you're the one that's got to do all the learning and get through all the shit to you know to Right. To make that post at the end of the day, pretty much. You're right. And then nice. people ask me all these things. And, you know, I'll willingly give it, like, I'll post in my advice column and I say, please refer to this one. Please refer to that one. Um, if you do that, then you can save a lot of the questions that get repetitive, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. That's so true. One thing, I'm not sure what you would call it in the States then, but I guess I want to compare that to Canada because just for any Canadian listeners that might listen, but we have two types of investing accounts that you can open with a, or that you would use. One would be a margin account, and is that what it's referred to in the States as well, like opening a margin account where you pay tax on gains? I feel like that is called a brokerage here. So, well, we would buy, we would open a margin account through a brokerage, but the margin account is how it works is like, let's say you want to use $10,000, you only have to put down 3,000, and the brokerage will put down seven to match it. But the, yeah, but then if you if you lose a good portion of the money you put in, you got to pay that back or they just take your money. Oh, that's an interesting concept that I've never heard of. Really? So like, maybe, maybe yeah, maybe that's in Canada. That's what my a friend of mine explained a margin account to me. Um now there may be some different like the numbers might be able to to factor in differently, but on the flip side of that, what we have in Canada, I think it's similar to a Roth IRA IRA, sorry, in the US. Yeah. But the TFSA is a registered account with this uh, Canada Revenue Agency, so it's with the government. And basically that allows, it's called a tax-free savings account. It should be called a tax-free investing account because it doesn't pay any interest, but you can invest. And if you make capital gains, you don't pay tax on it at all, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the, that's the big thing that's missing in Canada is the education around that. No one knows how to use it properly. 
you know, stories of people just making monthly contributions and never investing in anything. So they're not. Oh, know, no. Just that's where like the lack of transparency exists in Canada. And I see that a lot. So I definitely want to, you know, that's kind of the, my mission to help bring awareness to that. But um, is it do you guys have kind of a similar system where it would be like, uh, I guess maybe you, you have a tax account or an investing account that doesn't get taxed versus one that does get taxed? Was that accurate at all? Yeah. Yeah. So IRA is the individual retirement account. Yeah. And the way it works is you have Roth and traditional. And the thing about this is if you have a certain income limit, you cannot contribute anymore into Roth, but you have to back, you have to do like a backdoor method. But okay. in simple terms, individual, there's no income limit and you can contribute up to 6000 a year into that one. Now, Here's the trick, though. 6000 splits between any of the IRAs. If you contribute 6000 all into one IRA, you can't do it to the other one. So the right. message that most people will get is invest 6000 into the Roth IRA and then put that into the low-cost index funds. It's going to grow, and then when you get paid out that money in the end, you're not going to get taxed on your gains. Right. Whereas if you do traditional, you can put the 6000 in there. It's going to grow. But when you pull it out, you're going to get taxed on the gains that you pull out. So Roth IRA, it grows tax-free. You take it out tax-free. Right. Traditional, you invest in it. You take it out. You get taxed on the gains coming out of it. Okay. So that, that's, so, that's probably where my the, what I'm calling a margin account or the one that you can use for that purpose would be like your traditional then. Well, here's the trick though, right? Because in IRA, you have to pull it out at the retirement age, which is... 55 but government can make it 65 in the future so people okay. have to be well balanced if they want to retire earlier so i call it brokerage but i think it's just called an individual investment account like the, right i don't think it's called margin because you're not trading on leverage using any money from anybody else it's your money right okay and maybe that's a canadian option but the one crazy part about the margin account is that you get taxed on gains but guess what the tax is in canada 40 50 percent I heard 40, man. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's 50. Crazy. I'm studying the Canadian securities course so that I at least have a bit of credibility behind me with when I mm -hmm. try to get my course going and all that. But mm -hmm. yeah, so imagine that 50%. So that's why the tax-free savings account is so useful. Um, my gosh. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, if anyone's not using that and they're in a grown adult, it's like, give your head a shake. <laughs> my gosh, that's insane 50% oh. right yeah and I think you know the types of people that that complain about tax or they hate how much is getting taken off their paycheck it's like you if you're not using the tax-free savings account what are you complaining about you know help yourself wow <laughs> that's wild do you think that Trump could win the next uh, or could be reelected in 2020 yeah this is an interesting topic because you know, people on Instagram may or may not know my views, right? Yeah. So the, the thing about this is the way the U.S. works is like electoral college system. So it's whatever your representatives vote for, not really about the popular vote. So right. And, the, and that's how Trump beat Hillary, which is just a, a crazy right, as well. Right. So electoral college is like, yeah, the popular vote could be 51% voted for Hillary over Trump. But, you know, all the electoral college votes came in and everyone's like, I, I freaking swear that Trump would have lost but trump won <laughs> yeah. because the electoral college so you know that even surprised me because i was like ah oh, you know i'm gonna bet on the other person that's there you know hillary but the, everyone got steamrolled and it's like whoa that <laughs> that happened and that was not supposed to happen 
the media is very good at making things look a certain way. Yes. So that's one thing, right? And I think that based on the media, it's it's hard to trust them. You have to have multiple credible news sources to look at. Yeah. You cannot just look at exclusively Fox if you're conservative or CNN if you're exclusively Democrat. So it's it's tough to look at because both will tell you that the other side is winning. Yeah, and, and, and the news is good at that. Far too good. Yep, yep. But in terms of who will win, you know, I I think that there may be a shot for another candidate to step up and take it as long as if the Democrats were to band up together and not kind of like shoot each other in the foot in terms of where where to try to make their message. It's like the whole point is you're trying to beat Trump, right? Yeah. You're not trying to let him win. It's like, oh, I, Elizabeth Warren, I'm going to do this thing and this thing and this thing, and I am going to, you know, the rival candidate's going to do something else. Like, well... No, 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 get your ducks in the row, get out of the way, and then just band up and vote for this one. Don't vote for a third party. And I think one yeah. thing that people were wrong in, in the previous election here is everyone was like, yeah, Bernie Sanders got off the vote, but my heart is with Bernie Sanders. I'm going to vote for him. But people did not know in politics that it's a two-party system. Yes. You can introduce a third party, but no one cares about the third party. It doesn't do anything, So right? you already yeah. lost a lot of votes. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's what I say is that if you just band up, you can beat them, like, I'm not going to say on this podcast who will win, but that's just my advice there. Yeah. Do you think, I have this theory that if the Republicans decided to run on legalizing cannabis, that they that they would be able to run away with it. Do you think that's possible? I think that's possible. <laughs> and I'm totally open to all the opinions. Yeah. That's one thing, I, I'm a Canadian, but I obviously a lot of the news and stuff I'm exposed to is from the U.S., so I'm a lot more mm-hmm. uh, aware of U.S. politics and business um except for the cannabis industry in canada oh yeah and i thought it was interesting because i posted an article about how the marijuana stocks are not doing super well and i think it's because of regulation or something like that but i was surprised i thought that it would you know take off and everyone would want to buy some legal stuff the the main reason in canada why the numbers are so low is just because the provincial government so it's like like the states imagine the federal government gave the states the ability to make their own laws right so Mm -hmm. In the province where we stood to make the most money and we could have like they they put the numbers together and matched for example the one you you would we would use is alberta there's 4.5 million people there and they have i think 271 stores or 273 something like that so there's obviously a lot of stores for the people in ontario it's you know maybe three times i don't know how big of the size of alberta but it's much bigger you have 13 million people and you've got 25 stores so Like, really? Yeah. So you're just welcoming the black market to run rampant. If people live in, you know, more rural towns, these are still towns with 100,000 people, or maybe not 100, but 50,000, but they have to drive six hours to a legal pot shop? No, they're not going to do that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. it, it's complete government failure, unfortunately. So MS, like multi-state operators in the U.S. just released their earnings today. So, or TrueLeaf was yesterday, CureLeaf was today, and both uh, beat expectations, which is, is helpful for the U.S. industry, but we just we need more stores. So it is unfortunate. It's yep. just what and happens when the government is is responsible for running something business like. And it is interesting also because I read news in Colorado, and they said, "Oh wow, this cannabis is really taking a toll on us because we're now so much flush with cash." <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm like, "What? How come Canada is not flush with cash? What about my ETFs?" <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just glad Colorado started it when they did too, because they are the case study to reference. And they made just as much money as Canada did last year, comparably. 
Cannabis-wise, really? yes. Colorado made like $1.5 billion in the entire year, and Canada made $1.5 billion in revenue the entire year. Um, My gosh. And that was just in the first year, but think about it. Colorado has 5 million people. Canada has 36 million. My gosh. So talk about a bad rollout. However, there is a lot of potential going forward. Just going to take more time than most people expected. And I mean, that's the thing. I, cannabis has been around forever. It should, you know, people should never have been going to jail for 25 years getting three strikes. So I'm just, I'm an advocate for business, but at the same time, it's like, yo, it's 2020, 2019, 2020 almost. Just, you know, legalize it, regulate it like anything else and get it over with. Yeah, and I thought it was an interesting study because of the fact that most people that use it don't want to be caught with it right now. But I, I think it's a it's a fine line to walk because the way you have alcohol deaths in the U.S. already, and that thing is you know regulated and all that. You have breathalyzer, you have three strikes, you have people taking away license and all that. But in the end, someone will get killed. And the thing that it's is tough to gauge is if you were to fully legalize that, uh, how would that affect? this will that increase the number of deaths in addition to that or will the same users of alcohol use that as well and then maybe the the number of deaths will only increase slightly yeah it's it's a really tough call it is it is and and that is kind of the risk you do have to take though being a democracy and and unfortunately i think part of the province that i'm from ontario their thought was that well you know we won't don't want too many stores because we don't want anything like that happening but i've also remember seeing articles that like basically you're you're not catching high drivers like they expected drunk drivers. They're, the the numbers apparently are not even close. So right, right. I I that, personally agree that people that get caught with it and are not under the influence, those people can go right. Yeah. Anyone that is under the influence, you know, that shouldn't be the case with any substance. You wouldn't no. do that on any other drug, alcohol, anything, right? No, exactly. As long as people follow that, okay, you know fair yeah exactly and that's the main thing you know it was the testing phase and just as a shareholder of a couple cannabis companies i obviously just want to see this sped up more quickly so that i can see a sooner profit on my investments but you know in time the good thing is and and one thing i can say to all the listeners is just manage the cash you have well enough so that you don't have to touch your investments main thing (laughs) but uh (laughs) Awesome. Now, Jay, when do we get to see your face on uh, on on Instagram? You know, I always tell people that it's coming, and who knows, right? Maybe I will, maybe I will not, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I personally think that even without showing my face, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I think that the advice that I give and the value to society outweighs someone's face. Absolutely. And if people see that, I don't want to be that person where I'm on the streets and then, you know, people see me as a target. And that's one thing that I'm trying to keep under wraps, right? Like, I understand Jeremy shows his face and he's worth $3 million. And who knows, maybe someone is doing something or not. But I'm a security guy, right? Mm-hmm. I yeah. just think about security first. Yeah, and I sense. think that I'm giving enough value to society where I don't need to show my face. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I like the anonymous feel too. And, and that's the best part is that ultimately you can decide eventually what what you want to do with with the options you've created for yourself and that's amazing man Mm -hmm. so absolutely yeah that's really good now last question once you get to your your millionaire mark by 30 what are your plans then what's next oh (laughs) well i've always told myself that i want to own enough rental property to sustain a salary of one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year okay and the reason why one hundred fifty thousand is because it is twice what the median is in 
the state of Texas. So it's it's enough. I yeah. feel like it's enough. Fair. If I don't change my life that much more, I think that I can do everything I want to do and not have to worry about money still. So yeah. Yeah. that's my ultimate goal. Like beyond one million, if I can get 10 houses that pay that much, which that's not the case, it's going to be way more than that. But I'm looking forward to doing that and not having to touch the principle that I've accumulated over time. Maybe that might go somewhere else. And, you know, one of my goals is to fund some schools, right? Like in yeah, Philippines, where in impoverished countries, you don't really get that. I want to be able to say, look, cybersecurity school. You guys go in cybersecurity, come to the U.S. and, and share in the same success. Yeah, that, that's a brilliant idea. That That's kind of, that's what I love to hear. See, that's great. And once you have money, you can go about that kind of dream, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll just put like a smiley emoticon in it so people will never know who, who created it. Yeah, exactly. It's good that you've, you're thinking about other people. But yeah, I guess get to that goal first and then we could definitely have that chat in the, in the near future. Oh man, that would be something. I appreciate your time. Awesome. Likewise, Jay. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Any last word of advice to the listeners? I would just say always have something to look forward to. I say this in all of my talks and I feel like life is interesting because of all the ups and downs and if you don't have anything to look forward to what's life for if you don't make any milestones in between there's no point right That's enjoy it. the bit of the journey and don't rush to the end goal that's great advice, man. It's yeah. Enjoy, enjoy where you are, or learn to enjoy where you are, because that's all you're gonna get. <laughs> Make the Absolutely. most of it. All right, Jay. Thanks so much again for coming on. Where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Jay Millennial. That's my Instagram account. Just spell that as Jay Millennial. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jay. Everyone, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Radio Public. If you liked it, please share, subscribe, leave a review. It would be great to see who's listening, and it helps with the organic reach, so it would be much appreciated. And lastly, thank you all so much for listening. This is your host, Jordan Hiley, signing off. Stay highly invested in yourselves. Till next time.